new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme with you this evening, uh, breaking down the DFS board here for for uh, for Colonial Country Club and the Charles Schwab Challenge and helping me do it as he's here. He's here every single week. It's been a while since I've been around on the DFS episode. It's Sia Najad. Sia, what's going on? I'm so excited to be doing a show with you, Greg. They, 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 they took us away from each other, but they couldn't take us away from each other for too long. You're back. Uh, PGA Championship was super interesting. I mean, it, Greg, it was so, I'm sure you guys did this in, in the wrap-up show yesterday, but it was just so dynamic, so many different storylines. Of course, Brooks, um, Michael Block, uh, there was just so much going on. I had a, a live outright that I was talking to Troy about before the show. When Brooks was about seven back after Thursday, I live bet him uh, at 46 to one. So that worked out really well. And then, uh, DFS, I was actually pretty good. Um, you know, I had a couple missed cuts that hurt me, but the five out of six lineups ended up cashing pretty good. So I'm just, let's, let's go. The, The cool thing is, man, Greg, after a major, it's like, okay, let's go. Pricing's out on Monday. Like there's no hangover, right? It's just, let's go. There's no time. We got to get right back into it. Uh, and that's what we're here for. And the really cool thing about this week at the Charles Schwab as well is it's not a designated event, but it's still, it's quite a field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's probably, it's the best field I can remember in a long time of a non-designated event. You know, since, at least since before they really got going where you had designated events seemingly every other week. Uh, so this is going to be a really fun one. And it's a really fun golf course to break down, which is where I'd like to start tonight, uh, Sia, because Colonial Country Club is a classic. We've been coming here on the PGA Tour since 1946. It's been a long time. It's a classic golf course. And it always gives us a great tournament. I mean, you see occasionally, like Justin Rose reached 20 under. But typically, you're seeing scores, winning scores around you know, 13, 14, 15 under par. And it provides a really nice challenge for the player. So what do you, with your initial look, what do you make of this golf course? It's interesting you mentioned Justin Rose's name because he's a guy that I'm not normally on that that I do like this week. So we'll talk about that when we get to the 9K range. But so this is an interesting course because, you know, Greg, and and I want you to sort of be the authority here, but here's my opinion. I mean, you you definitely want to be accurate, but I don't know that we want to exclude the the guys who are who are not very accurate who are maybe the the longer bombers that that people might tend to think well maybe this isn't the tournament for them and we saw it last year with Sam Burns we know how good Jordan Spieth has been here historically so I kind of think everybody's included but with that said distance and off the tee it's not as big of an emphasis for me this week it's something I'm looking at but it's not a big emphasis for me this week it's weighted approach you know you can go on rickrungood.com and do do the weighted stuff I mean I really like doing that weighted approach weighted T to green. Those are the things I'm really looking for, especially in the non-designated events. I think that sort of weighted stuff uh, is really going to matter. But the short game matters too, 
particularly putting. I, I don't usually look at putting, but I'm definitely going to be taking a longer look at putting uh, this particular week. That's pretty much it. So weighted approach, weighted tee to green, greens in regulation. Um, those are the sort of the main things I'm, I'm looking at outside of putting and around the green. Uh, we look at rickrungood.com and his um, model for correlation. And see, it definitely speaks to that. There are a lot of really important metrics and statistics when it comes to your approach play. Uh, you know, you have proximity to the hole in there, fairway proximity. You have a number of, of different, um, you know, distance metrics, basically from 100 to 200 yards is really heavily included. It, it seems like this is the kind of golf course where outside of 200 is a little less important. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that in that 100 to 200 range, mid short irons becomes really important. Uh, as for off the tee, Sia, I think it's I think it's important. But um, I think there are a couple ways where there are, there are different styles that can work. So you saw Sam Burns, a, a long hitter, and Scotty Scheffler was a runner-up, another really long hitter last year. You had Jason Kokrak, who took the place apart with the driver. Uh, but he was able to cut a lot of corners and still find a lot of fairways. I mean, he, what he did was incredible. He led the field in driving distance and was fourth in driving accuracy. So that kind of thing works everywhere. But there's definitely still this um, notion that some of the accurate, more accurate hitters, guys who keep the ball within the trees, uh, will have a lot of success. So I'm putting a lot of attention, like I do every week, in approach play. Uh, but I'm looking at guys who have an ability, one or the other, uh, or both, uh, with the driver. So I still, I still think strokes gained off the tee is uh, is important. Um, and and putting in the model, putting is probably more important than I have it. You know, there's only nine courses where strokes gained putting is more important on the PGA Tour than this. So it's definitely going to be a factor. Um, you have any anything with when it comes to scoring? Any uh, specific scoring stats? Or yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, this isn't one of those courses, Greg, where we're going to see. I mean, you mentioned Justin Rose when he knocked it out of the park, but I mean, I would expect that in and it's weather dependent to some degree, but I would expect the scores to be in the. I don't know, 11 under to 15 under range. Uh, So when it comes to scoring, you know, sometimes I look at it in the, like the really scorable sort of birdie fest. Sometimes I'll, I'll look at kind of easy courses and I'll look at DK scoring or, or birdies are better. I think it's fine to look at that, but I got to tell you, you know, I've been doing pretty well uh, over, I I would say this calendar year. And a lot of times I'm sort of trying to encompass uh, some of those scoring stats in some of the other sort of more global stats like weighted T to green or sometimes greens in regulation. I know you can look at stuff like opportunities gained and things of that nature, but the T to green stuff, the approach stuff that usually that to me, that's another way of looking at the scoring stats, especially if you factor in the putting. So no, I'm not looking at any of those, but I don't begrudge anybody who does. Right. Um, I I think opportunities gained is a really interesting one. Um, But oftentimes on on a golf course where it's not a birdie fest, uh, strokes gained approach or weighted strokes gained approach, approach can really tell that story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking for guys who are, are going to, or have the uh, potential to fill it up on the greens. And, uh, and if they do, then all of a sudden you have a winning formula, 
but um, but because putting so variable, well, you you really lean heavily on how many opportunities are they getting, and, and I think that can be found a lot in uh, weighted strokes gain approach as well. So it's it seems like we're on the same page. Just like many weeks on the PGA Tour uh, approach play is going to be really important. Maybe a little bit more emphasis on uh, the shorter approach distances uh, and maybe a little bit more off the tee. But we are going to get into all of our different pricing ranges here. We'll start with the 10K range. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back. Okay, um, we let's start off with, uh, as we typically do, with our 10K plus range. And we have in this range, Scotty Scheffler at 11000 uh, 500. Then we have a little bit of a drop off here. Sia, you got Tony Finau at 10,700. You got Victor Hovland, 10,600. Colin Morikawa at 10,400. And Max Homa at 10,100. It, it seems to me like there's a, a place up at the top of this that's really <laughs> hard to get away from. But I know you love a contrarian play. So where where do you go this week? Do you have to have Scotty Scheffler in your lineup? Probably. I mean, so it's it's a it's a really good way to phrase that because when it comes to the contrarian play, you don't necessarily want to get contrarian at the top of the board if you believe somebody at the top of the board is going to win. What I love about this particular tournament is the pricing is completely off. You can look at guys in the 6200, 6300 range, and you could you could have said to yourself before you actually saw the pricing, oh, that guy's going to be 7100, that guy's going to be 6800, 7300, whatever the case may be. So my point in bringing that up is that. There's a lot of players that you can pivot off of in that 7K range, in the 6K range, even in the 8 and 9K range to sort of make your lineup different and to, quote, eat the chalk that Scotty Scheffler might be. He might end up being, Greg, I'm speculating completely, but I would imagine once lineups lock on Thursday, people are just... They're going to see so much value in the lower ranges. They're just not going to be able to get away from Scotty Scheffler because it's hard to get away from him. And we could go through the metrics. Of course, they're amazing. What's so amazing, though, is how much better he is. So if you look at the last 24 rounds, he's a full one and a half strokes better weighted tee to green than any other player in this field. That's 24 rounds. It's a smaller sample size. By the way, if you do 36, I'm sure it'll be a very similar number and you can go from there. By the way, number two, there would have been Victor Hoblin, but he's also number one greens in regulation, number three in accuracy, if you want to promote that, second in weighted approach, second here last year. The only argument you could possibly make is that He's been in contention a couple tournaments in a row, and, and this is his third tournament in a row, which to me isn't really an argument because, by the way, he took three weeks off before he started this three-tournament stretch. So he hasn't captured a win. This is probably his, uh, you know, his uh, certainly his last opportunity in the Texas swing to grab one. 
So I like Scotty Scheffler a lot. If I'm giving like sort of a silver medal to somebody in terms of this 10K range, it's probably Tony Finau. I'm not really a Tony Finau guy, but he's got great history here. If you like the lesser field narrative, well, here's Tony Finau for you. Uh, number three weighted tee to green, last 24 rounds. Number three weighted approach, fifth in greens in regulation. And two top fives over his last four at Colonial, just going back to the history. So uh, it's those two for me. Um, I'll tell you, though, this price on Scotty, it's just not high enough, Greg, because you can fit Scotty in, especially with what I said at the beginning, with the pricing being so kind of erratic and random. You can play Scotty, you can play another expensive guy and still make your six, uh, put your six guys in there and be pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, there are some guys, we'll talk about it when we get down to the 6K range, but um, I'm always wondering when I look at that range, how low will I go? And and that mm-hmm. often determines what I do up top. Because with so many of these great players and a lot of these great fields, um, we're left with a, kind of a coin flip. You know what? Their metrics are great, and it's uh, well, who's gonna mm-hmm. who's you know is it Scott? Is this a Scheffler week or a Rom week? Well, in this case, we only have Scotty Scheffler, and he hasn't finished outside the top twelve since October, and he's the most reliable player that I can remember because mm-hmm. what he does T to green is just incredible. You know, the, the accuracy combined with the distance. Well, uh, I mean, what uh, he can cut the corners and he can hit the fairways. Uh, he's one of the best iron players on the PGA tour. He hits a ton of greens the, and he has a great short game. The one area you may worry about is the putting. Is he going to make enough putts? But like you were saying, see a 11 to 15 under par, Scotty Scheffler can get there without putting very well yeah that's that's the thing that's the the thing about elite players is even when they're not putting perfectly and you can put victor hovland in that category too he hasn't been the best putter over the last 24 rounds certainly con morkow was in that conversation too but the elite players are giving themselves so many opportunities that they can lose with the putter and still sort of dominate the field yeah, so I think uh, I, I think your point here on uh, Scheffler and and Finau is very well founded. I'm a little worried with Hovland about uh, an emotion about the mm-hmm. emotion of being so close and playing yeah. so well and having kind of a heartbreaking moment. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw kind of an exhale week here at the Charles Schwab, even though I think he's a great course fit. Uh, the the only other guy that I'd really throw in there who I'm interested in is Colin Morikawa. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I the the plague on him so far this year has been the putting. He's been very consistent tee to green. Uh, he's a very accurate hitter of the ball. He came in second here. And uh, honestly, in 2020, gave this tournament away. Um, I, I think this is a great fit for Morikawa, who gained strokes putting in kind of a rare occasion last week. I wouldn't be surprised if he was building towards something, too. Yeah, and f- to your point, He's probably going to be relatively low owned. So it's a nice sort of DFS pivot. So I think he is one of many great pivots off of uh, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, I guess you could try to put them both in your lineup and see what happens. But I also think that you can fade this 10K range. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you're not going to play Scotty Scheffler, I think you could make a reasonable argument that you can start in the 9K range as low as like a Justin Rose and just make this perfectly balanced lineup between, let's say, the 7,500 and 9,300 range. So I built a lineup like that. I actually dipped down to, I I believe, 7,100. But everybody, so it started with Justin Rose, and then it basically had all 8K guys in there. 
one high 7K guy and one low 7K guy. And I was really happy with that lineup. So if you think Scotty Scheffler can stumble, and if you're just not fully bought into the notion that a Colin Morikawa or Tony Finau um, are going to win this tournament, then there you can build that balanced lineup and, and get that six for six, hopefully, and maybe have some guys that are inside the top five down the stretch. Just a thought. So let's get to that 9K range because it's, you know, the the 10K range, we got some big names in there like we just discussed, uh, but the 9K range is really no shortage either. You have Jordan Spieth at 9,900, Sam Burns, uh, who obviously won here last year. He's at 9,700. You have Sung J M at 9,500. Justin Rose, who you have started a lineup with at 9,300. Tommy Fleetwood at 9,200. Chris Kirk at 9,100. And Siwoo Kim, rounds it out at 9000 flat. So this is a th- this is still a, a lineup with some players who are either big names or have been playing some really good golf of late. Um are, are, is your starting point in this range Justin Rose or is there somebody somewhere else you'd like to go as well? It's funny because you know I'm the 9k guy Greg you remember I'm the 9k guy. Yeah, I you, looked you at mean this you got an I, I heart 9k t-shirt. Right. How have we not made that with the first cut pods logo? Like we got to do something about that. That gotta, was a great idea. I'm, I'm just saying like a whole, crazy. a whole list of shirts we could make, Greg, uh, not just uh, ones for me, but I looked at this nine K range, Greg, and I was like, I don't like it. I could see myself completely skipping this range, like starting with Scotty and going right to the eight Ks, which by the way, would make sense if you're going to take an 11, five guy. But upon further review, there are a few names that I do. First of all, I, it's not that I hate any of these names. It's just comparatively to some of the guys I like in the 8K and the 7K range. And then, of course, the, the range we just talked about. I just wasn't in love with anybody. I mean, I'll start with Jordan Spieth. I get really nervous about anybody who's, quote, coming off of an injury. And maybe it wasn't an injury in the first place. Like, I don't know that anybody's addressed this, Greg, but maybe he didn't have a wrist injury and he just didn't want to play that non-designated event in Texas. And being that it was in Texas, he just was like, oh, my wrist is sore. Like, I don't know. Cause, cause the tournament prior, he actually did. He was, he was very bad. And like, it looked like maybe he was shaking off an injury, but it, he played just fine last week. But w- with that said, I just, I don't know where he's at with that. And I just, in, in this particular event, I don't want to gamble with a potential of in the second or third round. Like he's just not giving it as all. Do you have an opinion about the injury itself or the lack thereof? I, well, first of all, I had the same thought as you. Is this a guy that's just fatigued and you're talking about an event, um, one of his sponsors, right? In mm. Texas. Um, it's an important event for him to be at, but is that going to put him in a position to complete the career grand slam? You know, maybe it's just too much. Uh, and so I, I wondered that now the reports that I heard from the PGA and I did hear from a number of people with boots on the ground who had conversations with him and people in his camp. And it sounds like this was absolutely a very real injury, uh, but I saw no evidence of it. So taking aside the conspiracy theories, which are fun to kind of fun to talk about. Um, but putting those aside, I'm not all that worried about the wrist at this point. Yeah. Uh, and for, and because of Jordan Spieth's record here, I am much more willing to take the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, it, we don't have uh, the kind of big golf course we had last week uh, at the PGA. The rough is Bermuda rough, which is a little, a little bit light, much lighter. Uh, and it's only about three inches. It, it should be way less significant. 
And I'm I'm very interested. I mean, look at his record here. It was tied seventh last year, second the year before that, tied tenth the year before that in 2020 when he stood on the 14th tee with what share of the lead before hitting it out of bounds. He was right mm-hmm. in contention on Sunday, tied eighth the year before that. Uh, then it tied 32nd, then a tied second, then a win, then another tied second, a tied 14th, a tied seventh. Every year he contends here. And I, I am much more willing because I got to see a full week of Jordan Spieth last week, despite the wrist tape being on. I didn't see any grimaces. I, I didn't see any signs of pain. And I saw a performance that was uh, maybe not great, but I mean, a T29 heading into a PGA at Oak Hill, probably fairly close to where I would have pegged Jordan Spieth with no injury talk. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, especially when you, you know, it's funny, like the guys right next to him, Sam Bird and Sung JM, they missed the cut by a mile. And, and you take those three going into the PGA Championship, and your thought is, well, if one of those guys is going to completely bomb, it's got to be Jordan Speed because not only does he have an injury, but he probably hasn't practiced quite as much and he's not in sort of in optimal shape to take down a tournament. And it was actually him that that, that was, you know, way better than Sung Jay and Sam Burns. With that said, I'll tell you, I do like both of those guys. I do like Sam Burns and Sung Jay. I don't know that I'm going to have a ton of shares of them, but I, I think it would be wise if you're making a lot of lineups to maybe include the upside, particularly of Sam Burns. Listen, we know he took down the tournament last year, but even if he didn't, I do see plenty of upside with Sam Burns. But I'll tell you, my favorite play in this 9K range is Justin Rose. And I'm not really a Justin Rose guy, but man, when you look at his numbers, it just it seems like he's just so perfect for this course. And that's partly because he's actually won here before in 2018 and had a third place in 2020. But the weighted approach looks great. He's gained, by the way, on approach in eight out of his last nine. He's got elite mm-hmm. short game uh, coming in with great form, made six cuts in a row, including a sixth at the players, 16th at the Masters and a ninth last week at the PGA Championship. So he's playing not only at an elite level, but he's playing elite fields at an elite level. And oh, yeah, by the way, he won the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am in early February. So uh, the, the putting is great. So if you want to lean on that, there's there's no flaw I see with Justin Rose. And honestly, I, I think this number, I, I don't think it's disrespectful to Justin Rose because he's just not that name that gets the panache that like a Tony Finau is going to get for whatever reason. But I think you could put Justin Rose looking at the the metrics I'm looking at. I think you could put him at 10-1 and I'd be like, okay, who whoever that name is next to these metrics, that that person deserves to be 10-1. And that's yeah, how I, I feel about I, Justin Rose. I think that's fair. And look, the other thing is, if if you're looking at one area that has been weak of late, it would be his strokes gained off the tee. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that, in my opinion, comes from his distance. I, I do think he has control of the golf ball off the tee, and here that could play right into his hands. I wrote down three names in the 9K range. I wrote down Jordan Spieth, I wrote down Justin Rose, and I wrote down Tommy Fleetwood. The only guy we haven't gotten to yet, Tommy Fleetwood at 9,200. See, I'll tell you what, why I like him. I mean, you, you look at what he's done in the last three weeks across the board. Um, it's a tied 15th at the RBC Heritage, a tied 5th at the Wells Fargo, a tied 18th at the PGA Championship. He's gained strokes in every category. Uh, this is... It's a little too green to be the pale play of the week, but this is the kind of thing that we're seeing. It's an incredibly steady game. He's starting to really get it with his full swing. 
in, in, in the last couple of years when he's lost his full swing, uh, his ball striking prowess, he's made up for it a lot with the short game and, and quite frankly, improved his putting a lot as well. And now it seems like the ball striking is coming back to 2018 Tommy Fleetwood and mm. I don't think he's lost anything with the with the putter. So I'm very willing to play him as well at 9200. Um any other I mean, we we touched on we touched on quite a few names here. Anybody else in this range you you think is worthy of a discussion? Well, because this is a DFS show, I want to point out that people are going to look at Chris Kirk's name at 9100 and they're going to be like, what's that doing there? Which, of course, is going to mean his ownership is going to be relatively low. I- I'm not super interested in playing Chris Kirk, but one thing to note, I don't think this 9K range is going to be hyper popular. I- in other words, I think it's going to be sort of flat across the board. But if we happen to see like everybody in double digits here and then Chris Kirk is like, seven percent i think that's something to consider or maybe even less something to consider uh for your dfs lineups because he is a good course fit he just doesn't have that pop that would warrant a 9100 price tag yeah you know but he has not been playing poorly he he has not missed a cut since the players Uh, it's been pretty good across the board nothing no real glaring weaknesses Uh, and and again a, a golf course where he's had some success and i think it fits his shot shape he likes to draw the ball um, and this is a drawers golf course. He's had some up and down success here. Um, you know, he's never missed a cut here. He's played basically every year since 2008. Um, I guess he didn't play in 09 or, or 2010, but he's played out here a lot and he's never missed a cut. I, I think, I think the shot shape could benefit him. I wouldn't be afraid of Chris Kirk either, but uh, I think that's all we have now for the nine K range. So mm-hmm. we're going to jump down, get into the eight K range uh, and then get you some value. But first we got to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners and we're back. Okay. See so a time for the eight K range. Um, I know you took off the, I love the nine K t-shirt here this week. Uh, at least at your initial view and partly cause you love the eight K range. So we got names like Ricky Fowler on top. He's at 8,900. We have Russell Henley right beneath him at 8,800. Then Denny McCarthy, Cameron Davis, Tom Hoagie, Minwoo Lee, KH Lee, Brian Harmon, Steven Yeager, and Taylor Moore rounds out the 8K range. Uh, it, it's pretty attractive. This, this is a pretty nice range. Yeah, and I think there are some guys in this range that aren't going to get a lot of attention, which which I like. And I'm going to point those guys out right now. First of all, I like Ricky Fowler. Um, I don't. I'm not in love with him like I have been over the last few weeks. And that's not because he missed the cut last week at the PGA Championship. I think he's a fine play. Um, I'm curious to see if the industry just goes right back to him because he was popular last week and he he probably is going to be popular this week as well. A guy that I don't think is going to be super popular is Denny McCarthy. I kind of like him. Mm. Uh, top 30 at the PGA Championship. Immediately prior to that, three top 25s. Weighted tee to green. He checks that box. Weighted approach. Greens in regulation look good. And we know he has a great short game. Accuracy and distance, certainly an issue for him. But, you know, you can firmly put him in sort of that, that Chris Kirk category or, or some of the guys we're going to talk about in the 7K range where, you know, you, you obviously can attack this course in several different ways. There's the Sam Burns way. There's the Jason Kokrak way. And then there's just the very conventional way. You just play positional golf and you dial in on approach and with the uh, with the putter. So I like Denny at 8,700. Another pot unpopular name, I'm guessing is going to be K.H. Lee at 8,300. Mm. 8, now, the, the catch with him, and part of the reason I think he's going to be 
relatively unpopular as his history here is pretty terrible, but he does check a lot of the boxes. And, and I am a guy who has sort of shifted away from history to a large degree. Now, listen, if somebody has a really good history, I, I want to see that. I'm going to factor it in. But if somebody has a bad history, I think I'm willing to veer away from, hey, I got to exclude him from my my player pool if I'm seeing the metrics pop, because that is more important to me than anything. And Cage Lee has been pretty good, and he checks a lot of the boxes as well. Weighted approach, greens and regulation. He can get a, He can get a hot putter. I like him. One other play, Greg. I was going to say Steven Yeager, and I like Steven Yeager, but what really worries me about Yeager, on a, on a course where putting's probably going to matter, he's lost with the putter in 11 out of the last 12. That's yeah. a staggering Kyle Stanley-ish type of stat, 11 of the last 12. Now, you look at weighted tee to green, weighted approach, greens and regulation, distance, checks all of those boxes. I just don't know. Let's say I'm doing a main lineup. I just don't, I don't want a guy who's lost 11 out of the last 12. If he lost seven out of the last 12, Okay, I'm willing to I'm willing to to do that, but uh, it's pretty bad. The, the guy that can get really hot with the putter that I really like, who had kind of a bad incident last week, or I should say two days ago, uh, with his driver was Taylor Moore. And wow. honestly, I I don't think Taylor Moore is going to be super popular this week. He's eight thousand. The ball striking we know is pretty great. Other than last week, by the way, I mean you take the PGA Championship out of it, the putter can get super hot over the last twenty four rounds. He's third in the field uh, with the putter. And I, I just think he's one of those guys that's going to get relatively overlooked that actually has some upside to, to potentially win this tournament if some of the guys at the top start to fall. So I just want to give you an idea here because you mentioned I wrote down four names in this range that I really like. Um, one was Fowler. And I was very curious to get your impressions on uh, on ownership. Because, again, I'm with you. I think Fowler could have a bounce-back week. Um, perhaps pressure of a major get, you know, affected him a little bit differently. He's not quite there yet. I, I, I could definitely see a great bounce-back week for Ricky. Um, if he's going to be popular, um, I'm fine to step aside. Mm-hmm. If he's not, I'm fine to play him. Uh, so... The metrics, I guess, say yes on Fowler, but not enough where I'm willing to take him as chalk. Um, Cam Davis, I was very curious to get your thoughts yeah. on. Um, one, you know, you should go shoot a 65 in the final round of a major, and it can draw a lot of attention. Uh, but the thing, the reason I wrote down Cam Davis is before the PGA even happened, he's a guy I have on my list for this event. Well, I, he came in, who I believe tied seventh last year. And yeah, tied seventh here last year. But the really interesting thing is on some of the other course comps, which may surprise you, he plays really well. He plays really well at the RBC Heritage. He played really well at the players. Uh, you know, some of these other positional style, um, less than driver, if you will, golf courses, a bomber like Cam Davis always seems to show up. So I, I loved what I saw out of him last week. And I think he's a valuable play, but my big question is, does 65 at the PGA on Sunday, just draw all the eyes to Cam Davis. Does he turn into thought? That's a good question. I don't think so. I I really don't think so. I think we have the benefit of this week, you know, looking at each of the ranges, particularly like the 10, 9, and 8K range, outside of maybe Scotty Scheffler, I don't think we're going to see a super chalky guy. Like looking at this range, like at first blush, Ricky Fowler, like the industry is going to go back to him because they're sophisticated enough not to hold one tournament against them. Certainly not a major of the PGA Championship. I think Steven Yeager is going to be popular because people just like Steven Yeager and he's, he's finished just fine in the 
all the metrics other than the putter look really good. And I think it's really going to be spread out from there. I think Russell Henley, Taylor Moore might get a little bit of attention. And then, you know, to your point, Cameron Davis might get a little bit of attention. But no, I don't think it's too chalky. And to your point, he wasn't somebody that I had on my list. But, you know, the cool thing about Cameron Davis is we don't exactly know where the state of his game is yet because he's just been so erratic, but we've seen the signs, Greg, that like Cameron Davis, the, the, the one that we thought existed in like 20 early 2022, we're seeing signs that that guy is like who we, he was, but because not everybody is aligned with that. Now we can get him at a good price at relatively low ownership. And he's got the upside to, to top three, top five, this tournament. Or, or win. Or win. He has yep. win equity, right? I mean, I look agree. at what he's done off the tee, which I'm putting a little more eff- emphasis on this week, per- perhaps than you. Uh, but I love what he does off the tee. And it, he has gained strokes in every event this year since the American Express. Uh, but it's also been, if you look on rickrungood.com, it's been getting progressively darker and darker green. Uh, and, you know, he's been gaining more and more strokes off the tee. Now you look at the approach play, which has been kind of, you know, hanging around average. He's been losing a little bit here, gaining a little bit here. But in the last three weeks, he has two events where he gained, you know, uh, over four strokes approaching the green. And so there's that really big upside capability and potential. Uh, The putter has been cooperating, I would say. You know, it's not perfect. It's not elite. But um, but it's certainly been there. So I, I'm weighing on Cam Davis, especially thinking that ownership isn't going to skyrocket because of that 65. Um, all right. Then I, I was also right there with you on KH Lee. So I wrote down Fowler, who I, I'm kind of thinking I'm pushing out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davis, who um, I think I'm circling twice now. KH Lee, who I also think I'm circling twice now. And I, I think... I think Taylor Moore might be the most I, – I think this price is way too low. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's – you know, it's funny the psychology of things. Like, he, he didn't have the best tournament, you know, at the PGA Championship, although he made the cut. But just the idea – like, I, this is dumb, but the idea that, like, he had – Two things. One, he has to know that he kind of went viral because that the, him throwing the driver was like everywhere on Twitter. And he's probably a little embarrassed about it. Like, I think this is a really good opportunity for him to kind of like pick himself up a little bit. But I also think the industry, they saw that. And and and, and I, I believe it or not, I think his ownership will be down two to three percentage points, like further than it should be as a result of people seeing that they just don't want to like subconsciously, they just don't want to be a part of that. I think Taylor Moore has tremendous upside, tremendous upside. I mean, you, you speak of the driver, right? Um, which is what everybody's going to be looking at this year. Basically only two events. He's lost strokes off the tee and uh, the Genesis lost less than a shot last week, lost a little more than two at the PGA. Um, you look at it, approach the green. He's shown the ability to gain three, four five strokes in the blink of an eye and, and putting. This is the opposite of Steven Yeager, right? It's like mm-hmm. nine out of his last uh, 10 events. He's gained strokes putting. I mean, yeah. He is, uh, he is a guy who can win this tournament. Uh, Valspar mm-hmm. where he won earlier this year. I think you could make a, uh, a course comparison to it's maybe not as, 
maybe not as strong as like the RBC Heritage uh, for one um, or Wileye at, at the Sony Open. Uh, but I think there's a pretty strong correlation between the Valspar and this. So I, I love Taylor Moore. I think he's way underpriced. And uh, so that would be, I, yeah, I think there's three really good plays in that in that 8K range in, in Davis, Lee, and Moore. Um, yeah. Anybody else in the 8Ks you want to mention or you want to move on to the 7s? Yeah, I think we can move on. I don't have any intention of playing Brian Harmon. That's just kind of a Sia thing. If you want to play Brian Harmon, he does appear to be a good course fit. Minwoo Lee, I think there's some upside there. Not interested. Tom Hoagie just hasn't shown me enough relative to some of the guys that that I do want to play in this range. And I don't think his history is very good here. As I no. as I punch it up, it's actually quite bad. It's bad. Um, Should yeah, be good, so you would think, right? You would think it would be good. Um but it's you're it's simply not. And frankly, he hasn't been very good lately either. And, and Hoagie always gets some attention because we know he can be dialed in with the iron. So it's not like you're going to get an amazing ownership discount on Tom Hoagie because he's a big enough name where he's going to get some ownership. So it's a no for me on, on pretty much everybody else. OK, um, so we'll we'll move on. I think we're on the same page in the 8K range. 7K range is a pretty big range here, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's full of value. So I won't read all the names, but I'll just read a few. It's headlined by uh, Ben on and Kurt Kitayama at 7,900. You got Brendan Todd and Harris English right below them at 7,800. Go down to the middle portion of that range. You got a Davis Riley, Thomas Dietrich, Adam Svensson, Hayden Buckley in that 74, 7,300 range. Uh, Eric Cole at 7,200. And then we get down to the lower end of the 7K range and you got Sepp Straka at a great PGA championship. Vincent Norman, who's been playing some great golf and you got a a will gordon who always seems to be a popular fantasy play especially Mm -hmm. at this price who jumps out to you where are you starting in the 7k there's three or four names that i really like and a couple that i'm a little undecided on so i'm curious if we have any crossover here greg but i'm gonna start uh with a guy i liked at the byron nelson and it was and and he was good uh it was christian bezadenhout uh at Mm -hmm. 7700 um coming off a miscut at at the pga championship prior to that uh was was Pretty great. Uh, 15th here last year as well. Uh, off the tee is going to be his like his issue, but he's been incredible on approach. He's he's top 10, again, only 24 rounds, top 10 weighted approach in this field. Uh, so the, the approach is pretty incredible. He's gained over five. Uh, he gained over five on approach last year. So that's how he got it done last year at this very tournament. He gained on approach and he gained with the putter in a big way. He gave a few back around the green, but I think he's a really savvy play. I think he'll be really good just sort of playing positional golf. I was talking to uh, David Bileski earlier today, and, and unprompted, he brought this this name up. Uh, by the way, David is the guy who's our first cut lyricist um, for, the, yes. uh, for the songs, just to, as a reminder there for everybody. But um, he's a sharp guy. He's on CBEZ as well. I like him. One other name you mentioned, I'm going to go to him next. It's Hayden Buckley. Yeah. I, I like Hayden Buckley. Uh, he's it's fun I, I to mean, look at. It's fun to look at. The only issue is it's funny because because when you say it's fun to look at, it is fun because what you see off the tee is green. What you see on approach is green. What you see with the putter is green. But what you see with around the green is it's sunglasses red. Like it is you, you, you got to put your hand up. It is going to shine right in your face. And it's one of those things where I think I'm willing to take the chance on Hayden Buckley's lack of around the green play because I'm at least getting the putter with him. I'm not getting both that are bad. And frankly, he's been such a good ball striker that hopefully he just doesn't find him in those trouble spots. And and so, you know, around the green, I've said this before, 
it does to me tend to be like kind of like a random stat. And, you know, it's encompassed in the weighted T to green that I already look at. Either way, I, I really like Hayden Buckley. Before I get to a couple others, though, it sounds like you like him as well. Well, I'm very interested with the off the tee performance. Uh, I think that's going to put him in position. Uh, short game, I find to be a difficult thing to predict at Colonial because on one side of the coin, it's fairly flat. You know, there's not a lot of extremely severe runoff areas. Um, the bunkers are not, you know, extremely challenging or or deep. Um, however, at the same time, these greens can be kind of hard to hit, especially if it's firm and fast like it was last year. Mm-hmm. You don't see this is not like the AT&T Byron Nelson, where guys are going to be hitting 60 greens in regulation. You're, you're just not going to see that. Um, it, it's a little bit more challenging. So I think short game gets a little bit more emphasis here, but I don't think it's all that difficult. And so when I see somebody like Hayden Buckley, I, I uh, throw up a big question mark and I, I wonder, I I tend to like it. I tend to lean more towards, you know, a, a great driver of the golf ball, a great ball striker. I think they are more likely to overcome that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm lukewarm on them. I certainly love the price. That's that's a, a big deal for me. So and that's the thing in this low 7K range, there are so many good options. And, and that's really good news for taking a stand on somebody, because it'd be one thing if like last week there, there were a lot of good options. Don't get me wrong. But people sort of were fixated on one or two players that were like kind of the, quote, obvious place. Like Gary Woodland was one of them at 7100, who, of course, missed the cut. But yep. he was one of those guys where it's like, well, if I'm going to go down that low, you know, like Gary Woodland makes a lot of sense. Hopefully he gets the putter going. Love all the ball striking. Well, in the low 7 K range. There are so many good names. For example, Adam Svensson, I think is a pretty good name. Um, we're seeing good off yeah. the tee play from him in the last couple of tournaments. The approach has been kind of bad actually, but I don't worry about that with Svensson because I've seen him just light it up on approach before. And he's been great with the putter weighted T to green looks good for him. Another guy, Eric Cole at 7,200 weighted yeah. T to green looks great. Gaining everywhere. Accuracy greens and regulation, not great. So that's an issue for him, but, but I think he's a solid play with upside. We've seen that from him. He's particularly he's over the last four tournaments. Buckley. He, he's my pivot from Buckley. If you're worried you think- about the around the green play, I think you go to Cole. Fair um, enough. Because, it, you know, you've seen great finishes out of him, but the difference is, you know, he's gained over two and a half strokes in his last three events around the green. So if, if that's something you're really worried about, um, you get a lot of the same. He's not quite as a lead off the tee as Hayden Buckley, uh, but certainly makes up for it around the greens, which I think could be it- important. Yeah, and, and Greg, by the way, it turns out Adam Svensson's not going to be a good play because uh, Zach and Danny, uh, Donnie Baseball, Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, right? Uh, reminding me that uh, Svensson decided uh, he wasn't going to play. Hopefully that's not an injury, um, but Svensson has withdrawn. So my bad on that. So Svensson, not going to be the play, but uh, let me name two other guys in the low 7K range that I think are playable. One is Joseph Bramlin. I, I mean, I've been on this guy for quite some time. Uh, he he rates out really well across the board in the metrics that that, that I'm looking at. Sam Stevens, Sam Stevens is really interesting to me. The putter has been bad. I mean, we're talking like Steven Yeager bad where he's lost in six of the last seven, kind of in a big way. I, I'm not saying I'm willing to overlook that, but... I, it, other other than that, he is he's got a ton of distance. If you're looking at that, greens and regulation are great. Ball striking is great. The short game has issues, especially with the putter. But I think at 7100, I'd I'd be more willing to take a chance on him than let's say a, a Jaeger, for example, who's going to be a more popular and be more expensive. Okay, I got another guy. I got to throw at you. Low 7K range, as low as it gets. Um, Vincent Norman. 
Yeah. What I mean, what are your thoughts? I'm looking at this saying, is it is it too good to be true? Am I walking into a trap here? I, I think this just the last two events, he's gained strokes everywhere and at the Zurich Classic, came and tied ninth, uh, of course, in a team event. It seems like he's really found something and I I like what I'm seeing. I totally agree. And at 7K flat, he makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is one of those fields where you're looking for your low 7K guy to have the upside to finish, you know, top 20. But like a guy like Vincent Norman, I think in this field could finish top 15, top 10 potentially. And so that's uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And, and Norman's proving it with the finishing positions that 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 he can get it done on a Sunday and close strong. So I, I, that's a great play. I'm surprised I didn't have him on my list. All right. One other guy I had on my list in the low 7K range, um, and that's Ryan Palmer. Uh, you know that when you go to Texas, Ryan Palmer is a smart play. So one, mm. you think Ryan Palmer is going to be chalk and two, are you, this seems like something that's kind of been developing a little bit. I mean, he missed cuts in four straight events before finishing tied 35th at the Wells Fargo tied eighth at the Byron Nelson. He's been driving the ball. Great. Which I think is really important here. He's been hitting the ball a lot better. Uh, and, and definitely at the AT&T Byron Nelson, he, he spoke about his increasing confidence on the greens. What do you think about Ryan Palmer here? And that's really what I was going to ask. It was about the greens because my main issue with him, I mean, he's volatile even outside of the greens, of course, but my main issue is that the putter is, has been really bad. And as I look at the alleged progress, I mean, yeah, you're right at the AT&T Byron Nelson, he almost gained a full stroke that that's pretty good. But boy, prior to that, it, it's just a, it's just a pretty bad scene. And so I, I, you know, this is one of those cases where did he find something like, I didn't know that he spoke to being comfortable on the greens, Greg. If he has suggested that he's changed something or found something, I think that is pretty good evidence that gaining a stroke might be leading to gaining another stroke in, in the next tournament and so on and so forth. He's back in Texas. I, I do like him. I think he's got upside. He's not my favorite play in the 7K range, but he's somebody I looked at for sure. Uh, he's got a couple of top fives here at this event, and he's played a bunch. So you've seen some real up and downs. And he, he has putted quite nicely on the greens here. Um, there was a stretch for about four years where he was really struggling. Um, but in, in his last two starts here, he gained um, 3.96 strokes put in and 2.48 strokes put in. And early in his career, and maybe his first you know 10 events or so, he had some really good putting performances as well. So uh, I, I do like Ryan Palmer a lot. I, I think he's, again, there's so many names here. So before we get to the 6K range and the value, Mm -hmm. uh, towards the top of the 7K range, is there anybody you like? You How do you feel about a Brendan Todd or a Harris English? Maybe, a, a, you know, an Emiliano Grillo or Alex Smalley, some, someone like that. Yeah, I looked at English, but to be honest with you, Grillo, I, I liked quite a bit. I, I'm I'm willing yeah. to go right back in on Emiliano Grillo. I looked at Spawn as well. I came off of that. I came off of Smalley. I think Ryan Fox and Patrick Rogers are interesting guys yeah. who we might be able to see take advantage of actually some distance, you know, kind of cutting off some of those dog legs and really putting themselves in a position with their second shot. So I think both of those guys are interesting to speculate on outside of that. And that that's like right at 7,500. I don't, you know, Kitayama is interesting as well. Putting back to back great tournaments together. I guess in this field, it's certainly possible. I, I, I for me in the 7,500 and above range, I think my two favorite are probably Grillo and Kitayama. Mm, okay. Well, there's certainly upside with those guys. Um, no question about that. I think I would have to go with English 
I have a good feeling about him. You know, it's, it's hard to talk about the metrics with English. I just, I feel um, like something's coming on with him. And I would say Patrick Rogers would be the other guy for me. I, I get the sense that Patrick Rogers has something brewing. Um, we've seen some great iron play performances out of him so far this year. And, and and some really strong finishes that have been kind of bouncing back and forth. And the T29 at the PGA, it's a great finish for him. It is. In this event. Um, and 14th at the um, at this event in 2020. Yeah. So I, look, I think there's a real a real potential for uh, for Patrick Rogers to get something going here. All right, let's get to um, let's get to a little value here because we got a six k range, and I want to see how low you're willing to go because I, I think there's a lot of guys here that you can choose between uh, and take a shot at. So who do you like in the six k range? So. There's three guys, maybe four, that I really have my eye on, but I'm going to say five names because the first name I'm going to say, like I say him pretty much every tournament. And so it would be weird if in this field I, I did, not that it's a terrible field, but I, I do think this guy has value, Ben Martin at 6,800. Um, he slipped at the Wells Fargo, but otherwise he's been great with the ball striking. Um, some checkered short game, but he can flash there. I think Ben Martin has some upside in this range. Dylan Wu, speaking of upside, I mean, all he does mm. for the most part is <laughs> finish well. You know, he'll get cut. He'll he'll find a cut here and there. But, you know, I'm looking for a great approach. I'm looking for good enough short game. And at 6,600, Dylan Wu checks that box for me. So I think he has value. Now let's go to Kevin Streelman, a guy that I don't think I've even mentioned in, I don't know, three years maybe? Yeah. How long have I been on this show? Maybe uh, I've never... It's, it's almost, probably almost three years. Three years. He, almost three he years, must have come up at Pebble Beach or something. Yeah, but he's just been so bad as of, I don't know, a year and a half. Like, it's been a while. So the ball striking does appear to maybe be back. Um, the around the green game is great. The putter can be an issue, but he's got decent history here. Um, in, in terms of weighted tee to green in the 6K range, he's the best guy here last 24 rounds. By the wow. way, if you're just wondering what that list looks like, again, last 24 rounds, weighted tee to green. It's Streelman. Akshay, Akshay Bati, of course, Carson Young, Shank, Higo, Sig, Hubbard, Walker, Willett, Ben Martin, Robbie Shelton, and Dylan Wu. Carson Young's the next guy. I, I've been on him pretty much every tournament he's he's played over the last five tournaments. And at 6,300, that's just too low. He should be 6,900. Ridiculous. It's, I mean, Michael Block is 6,900 and Carson Young is 6,300. And that's not, that's not me disparaging Michael Block, but Carson Young has proven it for four or five tournaments in a row, or at least four out of five tournaments. And the one tournament he missed the cut, it was, it was on the number, I believe. I mean, he's been so solid with the approach game. T to green, he looks pretty good. The putter can be an issue here and there, but 6,300, I'll roll the dice there. Yeah, he actually at the Wells Fargo missed the cut and gained strokes total which is Amazing. a very rare thing and very hard to do. He's gained strokes approaching the green in his last four uh, and put in in his last four as well. So I, Carson Young was kind of in the how low can you go game. He mm. was a guy for me. Uh, I'll throw a couple more names out there. Uh, I, I'm very curious about Scott Piercy. Um, he seems to be... You know what? Uh, he's at 6,400. He's the bland play of the week. And we haven't done that in a long time. Nice. But you look at his numbers and they're very middle in across the board. Uh, very consistent. Um, we saw a T19 at the AT&T Byron Nelson. You look at some of his history here. Uh, and, and there's T T7. It's way back in 2017. Uh, T19 back in 2019. Uh, he, he's made the cut here a lot. Um, although in his last 
last two starts, it hasn't gone very well. But I, I wouldn't be afraid of a Scott Piercy at 6,400 either. Uh, let's see. I love the Dylan Wu play. Um, what, anybody up top? What, what do you think about? I just want to ask you about Ches Reeve because I wrote his name down too. That's interesting. I mean, he's been pretty good. Speaking of guys that like may have, like Strelman, for example, that may have found something. I don't mind Reeve, and he certainly seems like a good course fit. Um, not somebody I, I really looked at too hard, but I, I think he's okay. I, like, it's a fine play. His approach play has been great. Uh, off the tee play, not so much, but I mean, he has gained 1.95 strokes or more putting in his last five events. Um, and that's, and we're talking about Shea Reve here. <laughs> right. That's not typical for him. So um, I have his name circled. I'm very curious when a- anytime, pretty much any golf course, unless we get to a major championship venue where you're going to have a big beast of a golf course and really long rough. If I see some recent success approach the green and putting combined, I mean, I'm looking my chops. That's that is where you go. That's how you make birdies. And I see that in uh, in in our friend Ches Reeve here. So that would be, I guess, the last name I'd mention here in the six case. I've got one other. I've got two others. One is David Langworth that I think is interesting if you have to go down to 6,200. Um, because you're building some elite lineup at the top. Um, but I want to ask you about one other player. Because if you look at his strokes gain metrics over his last three turns, well, we only have two measured events for him, but they're all pretty good. I mean, strokes gain total, he's he's gaining. In, in fact, he's gained what well, we know because we don't have the individual strokes gain metrics, but we know he's gained in terms of strokes gain total in three tournaments in a row in a pretty significant way. He was 27th here last year. He's made three cuts in a row and he's 6,300. Without me saying that person's name, you'd be intrigued by that, right? Uh, I would be intrigued by that. Uh, And it's not Carson Young. And he is it. um, Would it be Pearson Cootie? No, No, good guess. He missed three Uh, cuts in a row. Uh, Go ahead. Hit me. Chad Uh, Ramey. PGA Tour winner. PGA Tour winner. I like. I don't know what to say. I, I I don't want to say like he's found something. He's some elite guy. I don't even put him in the Carson Young category, but I mean, he's doing things. He's made three cuts in a row and he's 6,300 in, in a slightly watered down field. And that includes the top 10 at the, the Zurich Classic. I mean, that's not saying a ton, but still. It's a look, he's, he's a PGA Tour champion. So I'd be willing to, I'd be willing to go that way. I mean, at, at 6,300, if you were not going to go with, um, uh, Carson Young. I think you could go with Kevin Tway as well. I think he's mm-hmm. a very Agreed. playable option. Um, again, not in love with him, but there's been a lot of missed cuts. It's a risky play, but he did finish tied 11th at the AT&T Byron Nelson. And the numbers aren't as bad as the results. So uh, I'd be, okay, I'd be okay there too. Um, Man, Callum Taron. I see that name and I get excited. And then I mm-hmm. look and it's like, this has been, it's gotten a little better. T29 at the PGA. Um, but man, I expected big things for him this year. And it just has not materialized. Um, maybe he's had some big weekends because he hasn't been playing a lot of golf on the weekends. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it just has not, he's, he's so much better than that. And I, I hope he turns it around. But anyway, anybody else, Sia, or, or can we get to some narrative lineups? 
I think that's it. I think we can get to some narrative. By the way, we had so many submissions and, and I typically we only want to kind of put like four or five up there. So we have four up here. So for for a few of you that got shut out, please submit next week and I'll, I'll make sure you get up there. But not not only did we have so many submissions, they were all really, really good. So this is uh, this is good stuff. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Can we pull? Yeah, here we go. All right. So we have Rebecca O'Connor. Uh, Colonial Country Club, founded in 1936. A few other historic moments from 1936. Rose Justin Rose, re-elected. Uh, Rural Electric Fenow Caution Act established. Rural uh, Electric... What is that? Electric... Electric... Electrocution? I actually don't know what that is. I don't know what act that is. Electrification? Electrification Act, maybe? All right, well, that's Tony Fee now. We have the Spanish Civil War. (laughs) That's a good one. J.J. Spawn. Uh, Hinden Burns takes first flight. Oh, how about that? That's solid. Uh, Gone with the WMD published. Gone with the wind. But, of course, the I-N is uh, substituted for M. Sung J.M. And the Hoover... Domin was completed. That's pretty That's good. great. We got a history lesson and uh, some great wordplay. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work on the history side of things a little bit there. And, <laughs> and uh, I guess that means the wordplay things too. Uh, next, Ryan Hickey, the fantasy bunker. Fort Worth is still the only city with real cowboys still on payroll. A few of my favorite movies um, featuring cowboys. Wild Wild Westmoreland. Are pretty good. Uh, what is that? Akshangai uh, Noon? I don't know. Akshanghai Noon. Akshanghai Noon. Okay. <laughs> the three um, he goes. Pretty good. I like that one. The Besiden Outlaw, Joey Wales. There you go. Uh, Besiden Out. Um, the Good, the Badly, and the Ugly. Very clever. And the magnificent, uh, the Magni Vincent seven. Okay, your boy Vincent Norman, right Vincent there. Vincent Norman, yeah, he's a good play. That's good. That's really good. Okay, next page. Now we have the model maniac. A every week, every week submission from pretty the much an every week submission. Yeah, a regular. Um, okay, everything is bigger and better in Texas. Golfers had they grown up in Texas. Hashtag SG narrative. Um, that's helpful, by the way. Min Wu Lee, Max Wu Lee, Taylor Moore, Taylor Most, Ryan Fox, Ryan Bobcat, <laughs> Cole Hammer, Cole Sledgehammer, Harris English, Harris Dallas, Alex Smalley, Alex Massively. Wow. That is, uh, that's pretty good. Bigger and better indeed. Bigger and better. Hopefully our lineups are too this week. John Markowski, the man, the myth, the legend. Mm -hmm. Charles Schwab manages money. Songs about money on my playlist. Taylor, Mo Money, Mo Problems. It's all about the Ben Griffins. The Ben Griffins. I like that. (laughs) Eric, not saying she a cold digger. (laughs) (laughs) Kurt, uh, Kitty, 
Kitty, a material girl. Oh, I like that. Wow. I'm surprised to hear that's on your playlist. Quite a song, though. <laughs> I want to be a Billy on air, Horschel, which he admits is not his best. But I like, I actually like it. A billionaire, a billionaire, and can't Ray me love. Strong. It's strong. This is this. People are so creative. I can't. They are. And again, there were a few more that were equally as creative. But I, Greg, I didn't want to put you through that. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of a, a word uh, scramble there. So you did you did great. I can't believe you got the material girl one. I thought you were stumbling on that one. I was waiting for it. Uh, well, it's fun and it's a great exercise for me, and encourages me to practice reading, uh, which is something I I think you should do every day. I think you should try to read something every day. Um, but that is here nor there because I think we have gotten into this entire lineup, the, the entire uh, slate here for the Charles Schwab Challenge DFS. And I we, we got a lot of names in today, Sia. We did get a lot of names in. I, I thought the analysis was great. And, and I noticed there was somebody in the chat, Greg, I think it was Zach, maybe Zach Phelps, that was like, this is my first time watching this show. I didn't know you guys went so much in depth, and which I take as a compliment, of course. But yeah, that's what the first cut does, not just on Mondays, but uh, throughout the week. So you got to yes. check us out, Zach. Thanks for checking in today. You know, Zach, the challenge for us is 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 not going too in depth because mm-hmm. look, we're, we're golf nerds. We can go way into the weeds, especially when Rick is here. I mean, he, uh, it, Rick, the one thing I'll say is he's always holding back. He's always got more in the tank. That's so right. that's our, that's our biggest challenge, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope that everybody has uh, great success this week with your DFS lineup for the Charles Schwab challenge. See so, ya yeah, before we go, any, any final words? Well, don't treat this week like any other week. What I should say is don't treat this week like any other week after a major that there's the contests are amazing. The prize money is amazing. That doesn't mean you need to unload the bankroll. But just because we just had a major last week, it doesn't make this any less exciting. I I genuinely can't wait for this tournament. And uh, I hope everybody's as excited for DFS as we are. Yeah, it, it really turned out to be a great field. So we'll be keeping our eye on it. Uh, first cut is at you pretty much every day the rest of the week. We got tomorrow, we have the Mega Preview Pod. Uh, that's at 5 Eastern, or at least it's scheduled to be. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have our round-by-round recaps as well. So make sure you tune in for all of that. Uh, give us a, a like and a subscribe. That always helps. And I hope everybody enjoys the Monday. I hope you enjoy creating your lineups um, and until next time see ya big thanks to you you can find Sia Najad on Twitter at Sia Najad I'm Greg Ducharme you can find me on Twitter at The Real GFD uh, big thanks to producer jo- uh, producer Troy for all of his hard work putting this show together and of course as always uh, producer Josh as well so big thanks to all of those who help put this podcast together um, but until next time that's all we have for you you